Okay, so we are uh, doing our Joshua series. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, I wasn't here last week, so uh, Nick covered for me. Um, but two weeks ago, we were in Joshua. We finally got into Joshua chapter one, and we were looking at a particular phrase. Does anybody remember what the phrase was that we were looking at? It's been two weeks, I know, but nobody remembers it. It was in there like six times. You weren't here two weeks ago? Yeah, find Joshua chapter 1 and find it. Yeah, there you go. Be strong and have a good courage. So we spent, I think, two weeks looking at that um, phrase and where it shows up in the Bible. It was in Deuteronomy and it was in Joshua. So we talked about um, why that was said so many times and, and what the importance and significance of that was for uh, for Joshua, for the people of Israel. Um, and so we got most of the way through chapter 1. And in Joshua chapter 1, verse, I think it's 12. Uh, yeah. Hang on a second. Hey, I, I told my mom about the thing. She sent me how much it is and if she can go. About what? The winter time. Oh, we're not talking about that right now. Uh, but I can talk to you about it later. Yeah, Joshua chapter 1, verse 12. Uh, he starts talking about it. says, And to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. He basically goes on and reminds them that they're supposed to come into the land with them and, and take over the land. And so I told you guys we'd talk more about it the next time we... we uh, the next time I was teaching in here, because why he singled out those two tri- two and a half tribes to tell them, hey, you have to come over to the land with us. I gave you kind of a brief summary, which is those two and a half tribes had uh, made a deal with Moses back in Numbers, which is what we're going to look at today, uh, that, they're, that they did not want to be part of the promised land. They didn't want to cross the Jordan River and go into the promised land with the rest of Israel. They wanted to stay on the other side and, and kind of settle for the land that was there. And um, and so they made a deal with, with Moses, which we're going to look at. But I told you we'd talk more about it, and today we're going to talk more about it. So turn to uh, Numbers chapter 32. That's right. There's some on that table over there, and there's some. Oh, there's a bunch on this table right here. Bryson, I know you own a Bible. I've seen it. (laughs) Everyone have one now? Numbers 32. Someone with a church Bible, tell me what page that is once you get there. 257. Did you tell what Bible, what number it is in your Bible, Holly? No, I just put it on the right. Oh, okay. Okay, so uh, to give you guys a little bit of an overview of, of what's happening. So in Exodus, uh, that's when Moses comes in and tries to get the people released from Egypt, right? And they do the, the different plagues to try and get them out. They are, uh, Pharaoh finally lets them go. And so in Exodus, they start their process of uh, wandering through the wilderness. Okay, and then like at the beginning of the book of Numbers, they go in and they spy out the land uh, that they're supposed to go to, and the spies come back and they give a report that says 
Ten of them say, we, can't, we cannot go and conquer the land. There's giants there. There's walled cities. Like, we can't do it. Uh, and so they decide, as a group, they decide, okay, we're not going to go in and conquer it. And then as a punishment for that, or as the result of that, God's like, I promised you that that is your land. Because you guys are unwilling to do that, uh, you're going to wander in this wilderness for 40 years. Um, and during that time, all of you guys are going to die, except your kids. Anybody 20, 20 years old and younger, uh, those people will survive, and they will be the ones to ultimately go into the promised land. Uh, so basically, they wander around until everyone over 20 years old dies, uh, with the exception of three people. Anybody know who they are? Mm-hmm. Who? Huh? So Caleb, Caleb is one of them. Joshua? Joshua, yes. And the other one, uh, he makes it, he's supposed to make it all the way to the end, but he ends up, yes, Moses. He's, he ends up hitting the rock when he's supposed to talk to the rock, and God, make, God says he can't go in after that. So yeah, those three guys were the only guys over the age of 20 that were going to be allowed to continue. Joshua and Caleb, because they were the two spies that came back and said, yes, we can definitely do this. Let's go do it. The other 10 said, we can't do it. And the, the group, you know, the Israelites as a whole decided to go with the 10. Uh, so God decided to still allow Joshua and Caleb to enter the promised land because that's what they wanted to do from the beginning. So, um, so anyways, that happens at the beginning of the book of Numbers. And then the rest of the book of Numbers is them wandering in the wilderness. And then um, Leviticus, same thing. But the book of Deuteronomy, uh, does anybody know what Deuteronomy means? I don't actually know the definition of Deuteronomy, but does anybody know what like what the root word of that is, Deuteronomy? It's like duos, like two of something. So Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. So in Exodus, they get the Ten Commandments. Okay, Exodus chapter 20, right after they leave Egypt, they end up uh, uh, Mount Sinai. Moses gets the Ten Commandments, and he gives them the Ten Commandments. So in Exodus chapter 20, you can read the Ten Commandments. Well, then Deuteronomy rolls around. Now they're at the end of the 40 years of wandering. So at the beginning, he gives them, here's all the, here's the Ten Commandments. Uh, then like the book of Leviticus is like a bunch more uh, laws and, and like processes and procedures for how to do sacrifices and all that. So they get to Deuteronomy and, and Moses is about to die. At this point he knows he's not going to be going into the promised land with them. So Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, he gives them the Ten Commandments again. And he kind of is like, Deuteronomy is kind of Moses' final charge to the nation of Israel, giving them all the information and all the things that they need to know before he dies and before they go into the promised land that they've been you know, hearing about and preparing for for 40 years, for most of these people's whole lives. Um, and so it's kind of like a, a one big reminder, refresher, like, uh, you know, charging them to get ready to go into the promised land. So um, at the end of Numbers, Numbers 32, we're kind of getting ready to, to Moses is getting ready to start uh, giving them all of the, the law again and, and giving them all the information they need. But right before that, so in Numbers 32, they're, they're, They've basically finished their 40 years of wandering right there in like the last, probably the last few months of wandering in the wilderness. And, uh, they get to kind of the edge of the, of the land of Israel. Um, and so Israel, if you've seen it on a map, um, but most of the, uh, eastern border of Israel is the Jordan River. Okay, so there's a river and like most of, like a lot of our cities and, or not cities, a lot of our states and countries still today use rivers and lakes and things like that as borders. 
And so that's how Israel uh, was, and still partially is, is um, the Jordan River kind of divides it. So they, they get to the, the western side of, or the eastern side of the Jordan River, and they're getting ready to cross and go in and take, take the promised land. But these two and a half tribes, these, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half tribe of Manasseh, they come to Moses. Uh, it's actually really the Reubenites and the Gadites first. They come to Moses and they're like, listen, Moses, the land, this land right here, uh, it's great for cows. We have a lot of cows. We think we're just going to stay here. Okay, we've already conquered this land. Uh, we're going to stay here and you all can have the promised land. Like, like we don't, we don't want to be part of it. We just want to stay here on this side and let you guys go do your thing over there. And so that's why Joshua in Joshua chapter one starts addressing these tribes directly, letting them like letting them know what's expected of them, uh, even though their land is not actually part of Israel. And so, <clears throat> uh, so we're going to go into a lot of detail on it. We're going to read this uh, most of this chapter of Numbers 32 and um, and kind of get an idea of what's going on. But that, I just want to give you guys kind of the context or the backstory of what's happening uh, in this book so, or in this chapter. So they've already conquered this land. And this is kind of the staging ground as they get ready to uh, hear from Moses for the last time and to enter into the promised land within the next you know, few months, weeks. I don't know exactly how long, but this is like at the very end of their 40 years of wandering. And so, um, so if you look at Numbers 32, verse 1, it says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad. So, okay, real fast, real fast before I go into that. There's 12 tribes of Israel, right? Those 12 tribes are the 12 children of Israel, 12 children of, of uh, Jacob, right? So he has 12 boys, and those 12 boys become the 12 tribes of Israel. So the Reubenites, the Gadites, those are two, Reuben and Gad were two of the 12 boys. Now Joseph was one of the 12, and uh, Joseph's name is not generally listed as one of the 12 tribes, because after his death, he had two boys himself, Ephraim and Manasseh, and so those two uh, get kind of half of Joshua's or of uh, Joseph's inheritance. So there's really eleven, and then two half tribes. So it still makes up twelve tribes. But uh, that's why a lot of times you see the half tribe of Manasseh or the half tribe of Ephraim, uh, because they divided jo- uh, Joseph's two uh, boys, and they each got half. So so these two um, tribes, Reuben and the children of Gad, it says they had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle, that Re- the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and to Eleazar the priest and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, Adaroth and Debon and Jazer and Nimrah and Heshbon and Eliola, and Shaban, Shabam, Shabam, and Nebo and Beon, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for possession, and bring us not over Jordan. Okay, so they go to Moses, and they're like, hey, Moses, we know that you're getting ready to kind of um, get everyone excited about going into this land. Here's the thing. This land is great for cows. Okay, we have a lot of cows. What if we just stay here? What if you just let us, if it's okay with you, we're going to just stay on this side and y'all can go into Jordan uh, without us. Okay, so on the surface, I want you to see kind of how silly it is. To I mean, do you think that crossing the river, that the land was going to be significantly worse for cattle 
I mean, they're in the desert already, right? So, um, but they're pleased with the land that they have. They're, they're thinking that this land is great for cows. I, I'm sure it was great for cows, but crossing the Jordan River wasn't really going to change that. If anything, God already promised them that this land was a land flowing with milk and honey, meaning this land was going to be like extra bountiful, right? There's going to be, it's going to be much better on the other side, uh, than where, than where they already were. But their excuse, their initial, uh, presentation to, to Moses was, hey, this land is good for cows and we got a lot of cows, so can we stay here? And, uh, I just want you to kind of see how kind of silly that is for, uh, you know, to make a decision of this magnitude because we have a lot of cows and this land is good for cows like the other land wasn't going to be. Okay, so keep that in the back of your mind. Verse 5, uh, no, sorry, verse 6. And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war, and ye shall sit here? And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going o- over into the land which the Lord hath given them? So he, he, you know, his first response to them is like, uh, you know we're getting ready to go to war, right? Like, you guys have been here when we've been talking about this for 40 years of... Your fathers didn't want to go into this land because they were afraid of the giants that were there. And now that we're like at the very end, it kind of seems like y'all are afraid of the giants also. And you guys just want to sit out of the battle and watch everyone else go in and do the fighting and do the hard work while you guys just stay here and enjoy your cow fields. That's what you're kind of telling me. Um, and then he tells them in verse 7, And wherefore discourage you the heart of the children of Israel? Like, what do you think is going to happen when they see you guys not coming with us? Don't you think that's going to be a little bit discouraging that like 20% of the people that are going to war to just decide that they want to stay home, right? Like that's going to be a problem for, for all of us. Don't you, like, don't you guys see that? Uh, so Moses right away is pretty clear with them that like, uh, you know, this is not really a great decision by you guys. And here's my first couple of, of issues with it. All right. Then verse um, eight Thus did your fathers when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up unto the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled the same time and he swore, saying... Okay, so he reminds them again, this is exactly what your fathers did 40 years ago. That's why they're not with us today because he's getting ready to tell them, God had you guys wander around until everyone died. That's why your fathers aren't here is because they got to go see the land and they decided that it wasn't going to be worth going in. They were too afraid to do it. Uh, and now here we are on the edge of the land and we're about to go in and do this. And now you guys come to me with this like worry about going into the land. Like you realize that this is the same pattern that your fathers had that you guys are repeating. And, uh, you know, this is not, this is not good. This is not a good, um, a good way to kind of like kick this off because literally in just, you know, a couple chapters, Moses is going to get ready to start talking to the people and, and like getting them excited about going in. And then, you, I mean, it happens a lot of times like with us now, right before we go on a missions trip or maybe right after we get back from camp or like when, when God is doing something exciting in one of your lives or a group of, of us and like we're really excited about uh, whatever it is that God's doing in our life. And we really just want to tell people about it. We know that people are going to see that there's something different about us or we're getting ready to go into a mission trip or something like that. That seems like that's always when the enemy attacks um, to discourage us, right? Like, um, 
I remember Brady and Holly's story before they went to London uh, the first time. Have your parents been to London once or twice, Bryson? What? Have your parents been to London once or twice? Once. Okay. So right before they went to London, Brady tells the story. I'm not going to remember all the details, but basically they're all excited to go. Right? They've not been saved that long, but they were getting ready to go there, and like they were going to be handing out uh, gospel literature, trying to share the gospel with people. And right before they go, they left. Was it their passports or was it all their money for the trip or both? They left something in a shopping cart at Walmart. Uh, they were shopping for like last minute stuff for their trip. And I think it was all the cash that they had taken out for the trip or it might have been their passports. Something very important. And they left it in the shopping cart at Walmart and they didn't realize it until they were home or until they had already left or something. And so they're like freaking out that they're not going to have the money to go on the trip or they're not going to have their passports to go on the trip. Okay, it's the passports. So you can't leave the country without a passport. So they're like a, a couple days away from leaving, and they don't have their passports that they need in order to leave. And so they're praying about it. They're freaking out. They were able to end up go go back and get them. But like little things like that, like especially um, when you're getting ready to go do something for the Lord, or when when something like exciting has just happened, it seems like the enemy will attack you with something like that. Uh, you know, some. Maybe seemingly small thing, but that's going to be significant that to distract you, to get your mind off of what you're getting ready to do or to get your mind, your focus off of like the things that you just learned about to distract you and to get your mind going in a different direction, um, uh, to, to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. And so Moses is getting ready to tell the people of Israel all these things, getting them ready to go into the promised land. And right before he does that, I mean, I'm sure his mind is just going, you know, all these different, okay, I got to tell them all this. I got to make sure that they remember this. I got to, I have to, these people are getting ready to go into battle where a lot of them are going to die. So I have to, as the leader, get up in front of them and, and give them the, the courage, the excitement, the, the understanding that God is with them and that even though some of them aren't going to make it, like this land is promised to them. It's been promised to their, their fathers for generations. Like this is a really important thing going on. And right before he's about to do that, these people come to him and like, you know, 20% of his, of the group that he's leading. And they're like, Hey, listen, we're, we're not going to be part of what you guys are getting ready to do. We're going to, we're going to bail out. Okay. We're going to stay here. And, um, so it's just, the enemy always attacks in ways like that. He always is looking for ways to get your focus off of or to get your attention turned a different direction or to get you not as excited about something um, as, as you know, as God wants you to be. And so that's happening to Moses and he's reminding them of, hey, your, your father's uh, discouraged the people of Israel by telling them not to go into the land and now you guys are kind of doing the same thing uh, 40 years later. Okay, and and so he tells them, hey, because of what your fathers did and because of the way they discouraged the people, the Lord's anger was kindled, verse 10, uh, and he swears, saying, surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and the Kenazite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years, until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. And behold, ye are risen up in your father's stead, an increase of sinful men, to augment yet the fierce anger of the Lord toward Israel. For if ye turn away after him, he will yet again leave them in the wilderness, and ye shall destroy all these people. Okay, so... He, he tells them, hey, 
you guys are wandering in the wilderness because your fathers didn't do this. And God said, all of you all have to die now before we can go into the promised land, save these two guys. Is that, are you guys trying to get that going again? Do you want, do you really want all of you guys to have to wander again until your generation dies? And then your kids are going to have to do this? Like, at some point, somebody is going to have to go do the hard thing, right? Like, somebody's going to have to go in and do the work of conquering the land. Yes, there's giants in the land. They're still going to be there the next generation. And the generation after that, uh, they're always going to be there until we go in and take them out, right? Like, uh, there are sometimes things that are difficult for us to do, uh, both physically, spiritually, whatever. Uh, there are things that are difficult, but like we know it's the right thing to do, right? They, they knew, and these people had been hearing it since they were kids, that uh, someday we're going to go into the promised land and we're going to have to fight. I'm sure their, you know, their military leaders, Joshua and some, you know, Caleb, some other guys, had been, you know, training them, uh, you know, their whole lives to be ready for how to fight, how to, you know, all the things, all the military things that I don't know a lot about. They're teaching them all that stuff because they're going to have to go in and they're going to do this. And uh, and so these guys have been preparing for it. They are the most prepared for it that anybody you know, has ever been in this situation. They've known for 40 years that they're going to go in and they're, they know exactly who they're fighting, where they're fighting. They've seen the cities. Like, they know all the stuff, but yet these guys are are um, are afraid and they uh, they have this idea to not be part of it. And so, um, so then, so after Moses tells them all of that, they respond to him, verse 16, and they came near unto him and said, we will build sheepfolds here for our cattle and cities for our loved ones. But we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them unto their place and their little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return unto our houses until the children of Israel have inherited every man his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on yonder side Jordan or forward because our inheritance is fallen to us on this side Jordan eastward. Okay, so they respond back to Moses and they say, they start off again with the cows. I don't know what the big deal about their cows is. I mean, it, you know, they're farmers. I get it. Like, you know, it's an important part of their livelihood. But their response after hearing all this stuff about how you guys are too afraid and you're doing what your dads did and this is, you know, you guys got to like man up here. That, like, listen, Moses, we'll, we will build some stuff for our cows and then we'll come with you. Okay, we're going to come and fight with you and we don't, we still won't get any of the land as inheritance. Um, but we will come and we will fight. And then once everything's done and you guys have given these people all their inheritance, then we'll come back to this, uh, this inheritance over here. And so to their credit, they do, they do step up and come up with a somewhat of a compromise solution. Now that is still not ultimately what they were supposed to do. Okay. The, the Israelites were promised the land of Israel. That, that was the promised land for all 12 tribes. And these guys were still not holding up their end of the deal by they, they didn't want part of what God had for them. They wanted what they thought was best, right? They, they thought this is some of the best land we've seen. This is going to be a great place for our cows, a great place for our families. Uh, you know, we can build some cities here. There's already some cities of the people that we conquered. Like this could be a good place to call home, right? Huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they, they decide, you know, this is, this is going to be good enough. You guys can have the promised land. We don't want to be part of that. But we will come in and help you if we have to do that. Like, uh, you know, we'll, we'll come in and do, do our part as far as that goes. 
Verse 20, And Moses said unto them, If you will do this thing, if you will go armed before the Lord to war, and will go all of you armed over Jordan uh, before the Lord, until he hath driven out his enemies from before him, and the land be subdued before the Lord, then afterward ye shall return and be... And be guiltless before the Lord and before Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Build you cities for your little ones, and folds for your sheep, and do that which proceedeth out of your mouth. Okay, so he tells them, alright, I will agree to your proposal, as long as you guys come and fight, and you guys do the things that you just said you would do, then you guys can have this land... Uh, if you don't do what you said you were going to do, though, uh, that's going to be a, a sin, and, and trust me, God's going to deal with it. Like, it's not going to work out very well for you if you go back on what you're saying. But if you go with what you're saying, uh, you know, we, we can move forward, and, and, uh, and that, can be, that can be what you guys do. And so, um, basically, they, they kind of go back and forth uh, a little bit more, but I want to st- skip down to uh, verse 33. And Moses gave unto them... Uh, even to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben and unto the half-tribe of Manasseh. So the half-tribe of Manasseh wasn't mentioned until this point. Uh, I don't actually know exactly why they weren't mentioned to this point. Uh, but it seems like maybe, you know, they started to hear some rumblings of, oh, hey, these guys aren't going to go fight. They're going to they're gonna keep this land. We can maybe get in on that and be kind of part of, of not going into the promised land. We'll still go help and all that. Uh, but they kind of got added here at the end. Um, so now it's all of Reuben, all of Gad, and half-tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sihon, uh, the king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the land w- uh, with the cities thereof in the coast, even the cities of the country round about. Um, and it kind of goes on and gives some details about what they're, kind of some of the things that they're building up and getting ready for. Uh, so they all came to this agreement that they're, that they're not going to go in. And uh, it's... It's a good picture for us to see. So uh, the the rest of Israel is getting ready to enter into this promised land, okay? Uh, which that that is the land that God has given to them for hundreds of years at this point. It's the land that's been promised to them, and they're finally getting ready to to go in and realize that, okay? And so we can take some some like application from this picture, and this is a real event that happened, but it was written for us. I mean, it's it's good for us, I guess, to know historically that this happened. That's that is important when it comes to the Bible to know that it is historically accurate that these were real conversations that were happening, you know, thousands of years ago. But really, for us, like, uh, it doesn't affect my life one way or the other that the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half tribe of Manasseh didn't want to go into the Promised Land. Okay, but there's a lot of applicational things that we can take from that in our own lives. Okay, God has promised them this. This great land, right? This land that's going to be so bountiful and it's going to be, you know, all these great things are going to be happening there. This is the land where God wants them to be and some of them don't want to go, okay? God's promised us a lot of things, right? We have a job to do, right? These guys had a job. They were supposed to go in and do the hard things, to go in and fight uh, in a physical battle and to win physical land so that they could raise generations of people there. Now, the Israelites have been there on and off for like three or four thousand years since this happened. Okay, once they went in and took it, now they've they've been in and out. Uh, they've been scattered around the world. They've been now they're now they're back. Now you guys know maybe you know there's still there's still fighting going on over the land of Israel, the land that they were fighting for thousands of years ago. Uh, they're still fighting for right now. And uh, 
But they were supposed to go in physically and do some hard things, to go in and have a physical battle. Uh, most of us will never see like physical battle like this, probably. Um, but we see spiritual battle, right? We are in a spiritual war uh, all the time. When, once you're saved, uh, you are in, well, even before you're saved, you're in a spiritual battle. Uh, whether you know it or not, the enemy is trying to keep you from getting saved, right? The enemy is trying to keep you from hearing the gospel, from receiving the gospel. Uh, but at, at a certain point, you get saved, and you are now, you've now switched sides, right? You're now no longer on the enemy's side. You're now fighting with the Lord in a spiritual way. And you have a job to do, right? What is our job to do once we're saved? Tell other people, yes. Our job is to tell other people who are on the other side, listen, you're on the losing side. I used to be on the losing side. All of us used to be on the losing side. We've switched sides. There's more room for you over here. Like, God wants you on this side. He doesn't want you as His enemy. And trust me, you don't want to be His enemy. You want to be on the same side as God. That's well. That's what we're supposed to be proclaiming, right? There's like, you're on the losing side, uh, whether you know it or not. And, uh, and so it's our job to, to bring people to our side. Uh, or to God's side, uh, but the side we are on now. Okay, that's a hard thing to do. Those are hard battles to fight. Those are difficult conversations to have with friends, with family members, with strangers, right? Those are difficult uh, things to do. Sometimes I don't want to do those things. Sometimes you don't want to do those things. Sometimes it's easier to like sit on the sidelines and let other people go in and do that, right? Well, to this morning, we're going to have a missionary here, uh, Brian Clark. Some of you guys might know him. Uh, he's a missionary to London. He's been here a few times. He's been in London for, I don't even know, he'll tell you this morning, but 15 years, I think, something like that. Okay, His dad was a missionary. His grandpa, is, I mean, both of them are still missionaries in other parts of the world. Like His family is a family of missionaries. And um, that's a difficult thing, but sometimes it's like, man, we will pray, like the Ongs, right? We will pray for the Ongs and their team. We'll pray for uh, your, your parents, Bryson, lead a, lead a prayer team for Brian Clark. They'll pray for Brian Clark and his team. Some of you guys' parents, um, Lizzie, your parents lead or lead the prayer team for Lee Carter, right? Okay, so we'll pray for Lee Carter. Uh, your parents lead it for the Walkers. We'll pray for the Walkers. Okay, some of you guys are on other prayer teams. We will pray for these people that are going out and doing the like the hard work of living in another country and trying to get a church started, right? Me and Brenda lead a prayer team for the Horvaths. Okay, that's what they're doing right now. Is they're they're planting their church. Uh, after a couple years of being there, or three years, I guess now, um, we will pray for and be excited for, and we love to see pictures and hear stories about how these other people are winning the battle where they are. Um, all the while, we look at if you, if you step back and look at your own life, what, like, are we even involved in the battle? Like, are we even part of it, or are we like these two and a half tribes that are like, okay, you guys go over and cross the river, and you guys go over and fight. And we'll be here. And, uh, you know, if anybody else wants to stay with us, I guess you can. This land is going to be ours. We don't want to be part of the fight to take the land that we're supposed to have. We're going to settle for what is good and not, like, advance and do the difficult thing for what is better, for what God has for us. We don't really want to do the hard work for that. So we're going to stay here where it's, where it's easier, right, where the battle has already been fought. Okay. There's a lot of pictures, and that, that can be like super convenient. I mean, as I'm like studying this out, even as I'm saying it to you guys right now, uh, there's things in my life that I could do a better job of when it comes to reaching people with the gospel, right? Sometimes I look at my own life and I'm like, well, 
I can't really reach people at my workplace with the gospel, right? I'm not going to share the gospel with Pastor Brian or with Brianna, right? They both are already saved. Pastor Randy, he's already saved, right? Those guys are already doing the thing. So I can't really share the gospel with my coworkers. They are, they are all already saved, okay? Um, you know, most of you guys, I think, are saved. I've shared the gospel with everyone in this room uh, multiple times, okay? So this, this field is kind of exhausted for me. I mean, I'm going to keep sharing the gospel, and if you guys aren't saved... Like, I, I want that for you, and I'll, I'll try to encourage you to do that. Um, huh? Yeah, and, and get discipled and, and trained up and all of those things. Like, all of those things are important. But sometimes I look at my life, and I'm like, well, who else can I even reach? You know? And so I kind of maybe feel comfortable in my own life. Like, well, yeah, I've, I've, everyone around me is already saved. My family is saved. My dad's a pastor here. My sister and her family is saved. Like, my kids are saved. Uh, you know, basically, I'm kind of insulated around with a lot of people who are already saved. And so it kind of is like, well, I'm kind of, I kind of get a pass. I don't have to do some of those things because everyone around me is already saved. Maybe a lot of you guys, uh, some of you guys go to Christian schools. Okay, most of the people around us are already saved. Maybe your families are already saved. Uh, maybe you don't have a lot of interaction with people who are lost. Um, there's still work to do, right? There are still people uh, that, that need to be saved. For me, I still do encounter people. I still go to the store. I still go out and about. I still... Uh, interact with people who are not saved, right? That it doesn't excuse me from not having to do the things that I know I'm supposed to do just because I'm surrounded with people, mostly with people who are already saved, right? Um, Jesus was kind of insulated with his 12 disciples. He still went out and like interacted with lost people, right? And still went out and, and did the things that he was trying to get other people, you know, coming behind him to do. He, he led by example. He was showing them the things to do. Okay, so there's still things that all of us can do. There's all, all of you guys know people who are lost. Maybe you have somewhat limited interaction to lost people, but all of you guys know people who are lost. Um, maybe for you, uh, to Brenda's point, it's discipleship, right? These people that were, that were unwilling to cross into the promised land had spent 40 years of their life um, getting trained up and getting ready to go into this battle. And when the battle was, when it was time for the battle, they're like, eh. I don't really want to do that now. Okay. Maybe now is the time. Maybe it's not so much a battle time for you guys. I mean, there are wars to win. There are, are fights to win with your friends at school, with uh, some of you guys who have jobs or are going to be getting jobs. Like, there's, there's battles there. Uh, but maybe it's a time of training. Maybe you need to be, like, getting discipled and getting ready for when the, when the time does come for you to go into a spiritual battle, when, when there are, uh, you know, wars for you to fight and you, you share the gospel with somebody and they ask you a question and you're like, oh, I know the answer to this. I went through discipleship. I paid attention in class. I listened whenever Pastor Brian was talking. I've heard the answer to this question. Or maybe I've been reading my Bible and I just came across that very thing. Let me show you what it says. You know, maybe it's time for you to get trained up um, so that when the battle, when the time for the battle does come, that you're not like these guys where you're like, I'm just going to let other people do it. I'm going to stay here where it's comfortable. You guys go ahead and do the, do the, the hard work. Uh, because the people who are getting ready to go do this hard work, they are getting ready to inherit a land that is way better than the land that these guys are settling for. Um, you know, the people that in this life who are fighting the hard spiritual battles, who are doing the difficult things, whether they be missionaries in other countries or they're, you know, someone local here who's just sharing the gospel with people, doesn't really matter where you do it. The work is the same. The people who are doing the hard stuff now <coughs> here, those people are going to receive a better inheritance, a better reward in heaven, right? God is going to bless and honor the people who do the hard things here. Uh, they're going to have more uh, rewards in heaven, 
right? And I'm not saying you should do the work for rewards, but the Bible is pretty clear that people who work get rewarded. Like if you work physically, you get rewarded with a paycheck. Okay? If you work physically, you'll have food for your family. The, the Bible talks about that. Uh, if we work in the spiritual sense, God's going to reward us with eternal rewards. Okay? And so if you're saved, you're going to go to heaven regardless of how hard you work or how little you work on this, on this earth. Uh, you're still going to heaven either way. You don't have to work for that at all. Uh, but there are rewards and there is a uh, blessing for those who do the hard work on this earth. There's an eternal reward that comes with that. And so that should encourage us, hopefully, uh, not discourage us. I, I don't mean to discourage you. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, myself. It, it can be discouraging to think, man, how many opportunities have I wasted? Why haven't I been doing this sooner? But when you look at a story like this, I, I don't want to just breeze past it and say, yeah, these guys didn't want to go in and fight uh, without looking at the how do we personally apply that to our lives? How many of us are not willing to go in and fight and not willing to have the hard conversations with a friend or a family member or who are, uh, you know, not willing to go just a little, like one extra step for the Lord. Like God's promising them over and over with the, we looked at it with the, the phrase, be of a good courage. God has promised them over and over and over. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be right beside you. I'm going to go before you and fight this battle. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go in. I promise you, you're going to win. He's telling them now. I'm not promising you that every conversation you have with a friend or family member is going to end up in them getting saved and everything's going to be great. Maybe you lose that friend. Maybe, maybe there's a, uh, you know, maybe it's a difficult conversation and, and that friend doesn't want to be friends with you anymore. Okay. Those things will happen. People who are getting ready to go into battle were going to die. Like physically they were going to die in these battles. Uh, but they were advancing the kingdom of God. They were advancing um, you know, their inheritance. And, and that, that's what we're supposed to be doing is advancing the kingdom of God, telling people about Jesus. Uh, it's not our responsibility for, for them to receive it, but it is our responsibility for us to tell them, right, to, for us to be the ones uh, that are spreading that. And so um, there's a lot of pictures there. I had a lot more verses that we <coughs> didn't get to, but we're out of time. So um, just think about that this week. Just think about opportunities. Uh, we just had Thanksgiving. We're about to have Christmas. Uh, maybe you're going to be interacting with, family members that you don't see all the time. Maybe there's going to be additional opportunities uh, for you guys to do things that maybe are a little bit outside your comfort zone, but that you know, hey, God really wants me to be sharing the gospel with these people. God really wants me to look for opportunities to do the right thing. Um, so look for those look for those opportunities. Um, and then, you know, don't be afraid whenever they do come. And uh, just remember the example of these, these uh, two and a half tribes. So does anybody have any questions about any of that? No? All right, let's pray and get out of here.